Blog Talk Radio. NFL Draft. The San Francisco 49ers select. Touchdown, Clemson. Mike Williams bringing it down. Say hello to Patrick Mahomes, who, as we told you, leads the FBS. Pass on the slant to Corey Davis. There goes the future first round pick for a score. Dina. Jeff, Dina, how are we doing tonight, guys? Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> what a good day today. You know, as they signed, John Lynch did say, don't blink. <laughs> he was right about that. <laughs> don't blink. Lots of activity today. Lots of activity today. Um. So, in a couple of minutes, we're going to be joined by Mr. Grant Cohen, and obviously, he writes for the Press Democrat, and then um, later that hour, we will have um, Joe Marino from Draft Down Breakdown, NDT Scouting, and co-host of the Draft Dudes. So, very excited to get those guys on. Um, so, what I want to do now is we'll get more involved to who we signed today. Um, but until until then, I'd like to go over um, what we've done with the cuts, with some surprising, some not. If you listen to the show, they weren't very surprising. <laughs> um, Antonio Bethea said he asked for his release. I think it was probably more mutual. Um, so they released him. Then we had um, Tory Smith, which – we all kind of predicted that would happen. And then uh, Marcus Martin, he was also cut today. Um, then we uh, re-signed Jeremy Curley to a three-year extension. So he signed through 2019. Um, and then um, smaller signs, we re-signed Mike Purcell. Um, and then we re-signed Carl Bradford. Uh, the linebacker that probably not a lot of people are like, ooh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that that's a deal. Um, there's still some people that could be cut, but we'll see. And, you know, free agency, you know, there's so many rumors flying around. Um, and we're going to get to those in a couple minutes here. But, um, 
you know, saying that, uh, well, you know, it's time. It's time. So, you know, so far, Jeff, um, how do you think the office has done so far? Uh, it's an easy, easy B plus so far. I, I love B plus. I love mm. the moves they made. Hey, uh, you know, it's hard for them to get an A from me right now. You know, you got to see how the draft goes and how the rest of free agency goes. I mean, there's some big names out there that are still circulating, you know, that, hey, we're going to get them, we're going to sign them, and until that happens one way or the other, I mean, right now who they've signed and who they've, you know, released, I'm very happy with. And, I mean, it's an easy B-plus right now for me. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, and before we get on, uh, Grant should be here any minute now. Um, before we get on to that, uh, late late news coming out is, oh, who's this from? Matt Miller from NFL Draft Scout. Um, obviously, uh, Mr. Williams, the defensive tackle from the Ravens. Um Obviously, he's linked to the 49ers, and as well as Don Terry Poe. So it looks like they'll be looking at uh, one of those guys to bring in. And, um, you know, that would just, uh, you know, that would just knock up the notches another. So, um, yeah, you know, and we're going to get to this too. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, are the 49ers just throwing money at people, or have they really gotten better as of today? I think they have gotten better as of today. Uh, they're a better team. Um, they, they're fitting the system the way, uh, as Twitter people call them, KS, um, has designed to, for the system to work. So, you know, we still have a long way to go, but... Uh, you know, I, I, I really like what they've done. I, and I would agree with you, Jeff. I, I, solid B-plus. Solid B-plus so far. You know, um, and everybody's saying that, oh, we're throwing just money left and right. If you look at it, they haven't spent all that much money. I mean, everybody's upset, you know, you're going to pay Garcon $16 million. That's one year. The next, you know, he's only getting, what, I think uh, $6 million? So he's only blanking $11 million a year. That's not even where his position ranks of pay. You know, he was a top 10 wide receiver, and he's not making top 10 money. How's that overspending? I mean, really, it's people need to look at the big picture here and start looking at stats and where the person ranks before you start jumping over, oh, you know, they're spending too much money. They're not. Nobody's being overpaid for to come here. I mean, Hoyer's contract is cheap. I mean, you're not really even paying – you're paying him somewhat starter money. But, you know, it's not money like a Brock Osweiler who made, what, $16 million to sit on the bench this year? Yeah. I mean, come on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, you know, it's uh, – <laughs> you just don't know. I mean, you know, you just don't know. So, um so, with that being said, uh, I'd like to bring on Mr. Grant Cohen, and he's from the Press Democrat, and he's also on Niners Radio right now. Grant, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing just fine. How you doing, Brian? 
Good, 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 good. Well, wow, wow, wow. What a busy day today. What a busy day. So uh, let's get after it. Um, you know, I want I want to get your uh, your first take on um, Mr. Garcon coming over uh, from Washington. Um, obviously, a thousand yard. He had a breakout. You know, very good year last year. Um, very good route runner from from my perspective. Um, what's your thoughts on him? Well, before I get to Garcon, I just want to say that today was extremely exciting. Um, mm-hmm. I've been covering the team for six years, and I was covering Trent Balky the whole time. And he, his whole thing was to do nothing exactly uh, during free yep. agency. So this was new for me, and it was uh, a lot of fun. Um, Balky's whole uh, MO was to build a team through the draft, which is the right way to build a team. The only problem was he was terrible at drafting. So he was a terrible GM. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a different approach with this GM, and it's it's very interesting. Um, I'll get to Garcon in a second. I just want to say that I yeah. think the moves I've liked the best from this new GM are actually the the, the releases and cuts he's made. I've agreed mm-hmm. with all of them. I mean, Torrey Smith, uh, he needed to go. Bethay, uh, obviously. I mean, Bethay asked for his own release, but Marcus Martin was terrible. Um, Quinn Patton doesn't need to come back. Uh, I like I like how aggressive and and um, ruthless he's been in that regard. Now coming to Garcon, um, I th- actually think this is the signing I like the least. Um, really? And obviously he's the be- he's the he's uh, probably the best player they got. But to me, um, it just the signing doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, let's look at before we talk about Garcon. Let's talk about all of these signings they've made. I mean. This is a two-win team mm-hmm. that just has added five or six players. Now, is it just me and you, or is there is Joe on the show too? Uh, J- Jeff, Jeff, yeah, Jeff's here. Jeff, too. sorry. Okay, so I'll ask mm-hmm. both you guys. Um, and I'm not being negative. I, I want to look at the positives and negatives here because uh, who knows? But I just want to, from a you know, an objective point of view, looking at all these signings, um, mm-hmm. including Garcon. How many wins do we really think the Niners have added? As of right now, or after? Yeah, as of right now. As of right now. Um, as of right now, I think it's hard because you know I think I still think question. we need the other other wide receiver. But as of right now, I think we're a five six win team right now. I think. I think we're a six-win six team right now, so, I mean... Yeah, I would say have between we got... four and six wins. Between four and yeah. six. Okay. So, I agree. So I, I, when you look... I would say four okay. or seven. Four to okay. seven. Okay. Four and seven. Okay. So, um, what we're really looking at is third or fourth in the NFC West. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so, not a playoff team. And then... No. So, if you look at Garcon in that... Uh, context you know what what do you really accomplish by bringing him on the team he's almost 31 uh you're paying him 16 million this year for a couple extra wins not a playoff appearance most likely so you so what you're what are you really getting in return uh on your investment you know um is he gonna is he getting better or worse is he going to be part of this team two, three years down the line? Uh, how good is he going to be in 2018, 2019? 
at a certain point, you have to build this team with young players. And I feel like Garcon actually delays that process. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, here, here, like you have here's nothing. what I'll say. Like, the Niners have nothing. A, you're building from scratch. What, and, and, uh, and, and, like, you're, like, delaying the process of building a, a team by selecting some – by signing some older players that are closer to the end of their career than the beginning. And it's like, are they part of the future? Are you building a future? Or are you trying to build a more respectable present that still doesn't get you into the playoffs? That's how I'm looking at it. Here's what I'll say about that, Grant. And, you know, you, we can go back a couple months that we're on there, and we were talking about the same thing. You know, you need some kind of leadership. Do I think Garcon's here for to lead these guys in the right direction? Absolutely is. I think eventually, you know, if the 49ers sign someone that we're hoping, you know, someone like a prior or someone like who knows who, knows who else I can bring in. But, you know, I, I think – you need you need that guy that they can look towards, and for how much Garcon will say it or not, he's a possession receiver at, at this point of his career, and I think that's something that we lacked, and I, I think that's why they brought him in. Uh, d- does the money kind of questionable? Yeah, it is, but um, at the same time, um, I think in the overall haul, yeah, d- is he here only here for a couple years until? You know, we draft that wide receiver and they're ready to go. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, that's my I, personal I, opinion I, on it. I would agree. I think he's brought in here for more leadership and being more of a a mentor to the younger wide receivers, you know, like uh, DeAndre Carter, you know, to help maybe Marquise Goodwin step up his game. And, you know, if we do sign a Terrell Pryor, to help Pryor maybe understand routes a little bit better. I, I just think he's more brought into like a role of a Anquan Bolden, let's say, when he went to Detroit. More of a leadership role, a guy that could put up a thousand yards, but you're not going to get the explosive eighty-yard play out of him. You're going to get the change to move like an Anquan, and I, I think that's what he we need, and I think that's why they brought him in. Well, I'm just looking at it like this: like Garcon, he's going to ha- get about a thousand snaps this year if he's healthy. And eventually, sooner than later, you're going to need to replace him with a younger receiver because he's towards the end of his career. Uh, Mm. So you're just sort of, instead of like embracing the young rebuild and just getting a young receiver out there so he can develop and season as quickly as possible, take his lumps and be ready, be more experienced, be ready to go in 2018. You've just sort of uh, delayed that process that the young receiver you bring in in 2018 will be going through that maturation process. He'll be essentially a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, like look at it from mm-hmm. this perspective. Uh, teams that are teams historically in the NFL that started from scratch and became good. Like when I when I think of that, I always think of like the Cowboys from the early 90s, right? Like they were one in 15. They had Troy Aikman, they had Emmitt Smith, they had uh, Michael Irvin. They didn't go about building their team this way. They didn't bring in a wide receiver who was 30 who was going to get in Michael Irvin's way or a running back who was 30 who was going to get in Emmitt Smith's way. They just sort of accepted being 1-15, in 15 and they, the, the whole idea behind what Jimmy Johnson was doing was to accelerate the development of their key young guys, of Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith, 
and it worked. It led to three Super Bowls. So, so that's one template that you know that works. Now, you have to be really good at drafting, and we don't know if John Lynch is really good at drafting. I mean, Trent Balky tried that, and he failed. It's hard. But at this point, I'm just saying that, like, yes, Pierre Garçon's a good player. Um, now, he's not – he only scored three touchdowns last year. He's kind of the guy that sets the table, not, the kind of, not necessarily the guy that, you know, gets you the jackpot. Um, and you're paying a lot for a guy who sets the table. But um, I, just the, my only issue is that it, it's like, okay, like, you bring him in, and now you go from a two-win team to maybe a five-win team or a six-win team, maybe even a seven-win team. But that doesn't necessarily project – you know, nine wins the next year or 11 wins the year after that. You know, like once Garcon is, is getting – you can't say he's getting better, right? As, as Harbaugh would say, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. So he's mm-hmm. he's getting – he's slightly – I mean, at this point in his career, his tri- his arrow is down. Now, it's not, it's, not, it's not like a steep drop-off, but it's going to be a gradual decline for him. So um, – it's not like you can just say, oh, we got Pierre Garçon, like this team is definitely on the rise. Like it's, a li- it's going to be a little bit better next year, but then the year after that or the year after that, you're going to have to replace him, and you're going to be bringing in a young guy as opposed to bringing in a young guy now and, and just mm-hmm. sort of uh, – you know, do, do you understand what I'm saying? So I'm not saying it's a bad move, but like, yeah. if, if, there's, if there is a negative, if you're looking pros and cons, I think that would be the con. That's the only con I can see. Well, he, I mean, here's, he, here's my – Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Could he be one to be brought in to help, uh, let's say, Eric Rogers, who we brought in from the Canadian Football League who had the ACL injury, and I believe Garcon has one in his. Could he be there to also, you know, because he's a big wide receiver, Rogers is, to be, to be that guy that replaces Garcon next year and let him ease into, ease into more plays coming back from an ACL? Um, I'm not sure if Rogers is going to make the roster. Uh, we'll see. But the way I look at it with football is to develop, you really have to play. Like you can't develop like sleeping on the playbook, you know. And Pierre Garçon is going to get a thousand snaps this year, so that's a, a thousand snaps a younger guy isn't going to get. And I want to uh, put it in context with quarterbacks. This year, I mean, last season, look at Carson Wentz and Jared Goff, right? Carson Wentz got to play the whole year. And Jared Goff, they took the different approach. Like, let's sit him and develop him on the bench and, you know, try that. Um, who, who would you say is more prepared going into their second season, Wentz or Goff? Which approach worked better? To me, it's obvious. To me, what they did with Wentz was much more effective. He took his lumps. He got a lot of experience. And you got to like where – Philadelphia is going into their second season. I mean, he's got all that out of the way. Jared Goff is like still a glorified rookie. I mean, I don't think he benefited at all from sitting on the bench. And when he finally got in, he looked like he still looked like a rookie who was unprepared and needed needed more uh, reps, snaps, experience um, that you can't get in practice. Uh, so to me, Pierre Garcon is like the, is like a a very good Case Keenum of wide receivers. I mean, Case Keenum sucks, but like. He's he hinders young players in that way, even though he still even though he has more even though he has talent, and he brings at least I want to say one two three wins by himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he brings I mean, in that aspect to give you know Curly and you know I think Marquise Goodwin was mainly brought in to be a punt and kick returner, 
But, I mean, he's going to be somebody that's going to give Curly and, you know, let's say we get a prior or uh, whoever comes in, you know, Carter. He's going to give them more of a a chance of catching the ball and being open because he's going to grab more of the double coverage than those guys will. And another way to look at it, too, is like now that they've spent all this money on, on Garcon, really committed themselves to him uh, through money and, and playing time, this is going to affect their draft board. Like maybe they would have taken a wide receiver at the beginning of round three or even round two, and now maybe they won't. Now, now maybe they feel like wide receiver isn't uh, a, a need anymore, and they will wait until next year or two years. So uh, Garcon is a very impactful move for them. Um, it defers a lot of uh, development and uh, it, uh, acquisitions at the um, wide receiver position. And I just don't know if that is the type of move a team that is rebuilding from scratch needs to make, uh, committing to a, a wide receiver who's 30. Now, I mean, if the Niners had won nine games last year, yeah, absolutely bring in Pierre Garçon. I mean, if it's the difference between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, it's a total no-brainer. I mean, like with the Raiders, like, yeah, they should definitely bring in Adrian Peterson, a 32-year-old running back. Like, that's a no-brainer. They should do that. Uh, clearly they're waiting to get him at the price they want. But with the Niners, no, you don't bring in Adrian Peterson. That, that, that's, the, that's the wrong move. I mean, um, yeah. so when, the, when, the Gar, when Garcon, it's like, really? Like, just to go from two wins to five wins? Like, w- w- what's so great about that? Like, wouldn't you just want to sort of get young players out there and, and, and get uh, on the field uh, now? I mean, you can get older guys to mentor during practice, but – do you really want to commit playing time to guys who aren't part of your future, who aren't going to be there? Like, I mean, uh, Kyle Shanahan is a six-year contract. Like, he doesn't have to win seven games this year to, like, uh, keep his job, yeah. you know? I-, I would expect that he would have been playing more for the long view of, like, I want my team to be winning 11 or 12 games by year three. And I don't think Garcon really has any effect on year three at all. I mean, this is much more about year one and two, which I just didn't expect – from Kyle Shanahan considering his contract. Um, but Garcon is, is a very effective player. Um, he had, I was looking at his stats. He only had three touchdowns, but he did have 52 first downs, which is helpful. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're just catching balls on first down, getting eight yards, like those are kind of empty stats. But uh, moving the chains, that's effective. He's not, he's not fast like he used to be. Um, but uh, And they, it, it does matter who they get. I mean, if they want to be – that's the thing with all these moves. It, it, it seems like they're trying to be uh, competitive now, or they think they can be. Um, they're going to need another guy across from him, and Goodwin I don't think is that guy. I mean, Goodwin has been hurt a lot. Uh, that's kind of a, uh, a <laughs> All right, now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold okay, on. Okay, yeah, okay, one that, at a time. That, at was, time. that, that was my uh, draft crush when he came out. I was like, this guy uh, at the combine, he, he just exploded. Um, well, yeah, and yeah, he's more. But since yeah, then, he's, he's gotten a lot of injuries, man. He's missed twenty five games. Yeah, he has. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're investing that... in a guy with like an extensive injury history, and that's just that's just the reality of it. You know? And here's the but other that's thing: why I, I think he's that... going to be a returner more than a right. wide receiver. Okay, he's going to be a specialist, I, I... and his specialist will be wide receiver, be a punt and kickoff returning. Okay, I don't I think, think when he signed him, Kyle Shanahan was looking at like. I can do with him what I did with Taylor Gabriel. 
Um, and I don't know. Taylor Gabriel is very, very important to that team. If you notice, I, I think Taylor Gabriel was the most uh, underrated player on the Falcons. I mean, that's a team oh, that ranked 21st in points scored in 2015. Then they bring in Taylor Gabriel, and there's like the best offense ever. And it's like Julio Jones is great, but Taylor Gabriel, you can't say enough for what he does for them. I mean, he stretches the field and gives even Julio Jones more, more room to operate. And if you give too much attention on Julio Jones, it's an instant touchdown to Taylor Gabriel. He is really, really important, and Kyle Shanahan understands that. I mean, he, I like that about him, how he values speed at wide receiver in a way that Trent Balfour never understood. You can't just have a horizontal passing game because the defense will totally compress your space. I mean, you need to stretch the defense. Kyle gets that. Shanahan gets that. And Taylor Gabriel was uh, totally crucial for that. And I think he sees, well, you know, Goodwin's the same size, and he's even faster than Taylor Gabriel. He's ran 4.27. Um, but he needs to be able to stay healthy or, or else, you know, uh, again, you're, you drafted, a, you signed a guy uh, instead of drafting someone who could do that, uh, that role. Dra- you know, drafting someone uh, who doesn't have an injury history like that. Um, and can grow into being your future. You, you deferred that. So, hopefully, I mean, Goodwin's only 25. Hopefully those injuries, you know, the concussion, the, the ribs, the ankle, the hamstring, it was all fluke stuff, and he'll be able to be exactly what Taylor Gabriel was. That would be a big win because he's not that expensive. He's like $8 million for two years. Now, would you rather, rather have uh, picked up a Michael Floyd over him? No. No, what I would have done – I would have been interested in Brandon Marshall because he's cheaper. I mean, he's cheaper than Garcon. Uh, to me, he's better than Garcon. I mean, Brandon Marshall is, is a real number one receiver. Like, that's a guy who can get you 100 catches even with double coverage. Like, Garcon is a guy who gets you, like, 70 catches with single coverage. It's like a whole different thing. But I, I'm cool with not getting any wide receiver that's uh, over 30. You know what I mean? Like I, Like I said, like – I would be cool with drafting a wide receiver in the second or third round and putting him on the field. Like the kid from Penn State, uh, Chris Godwin, he looks good. Yeah. Um, you know, I yeah. him, put yeah. him on the field. And now it seems like there's no – you can't just – I mean, they're not going to draft – realistically, they're not going to draft a wide receiver in the first two days. I would be surprised. I agree with mm. you with the Penn State wide receiver. I have him as, actually as a third-round pick. and I think he's stuff, really good. I, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling, you know, the first round we go, if we stay at two, we have to go either Garrett or and uh, Allen. Or, and, but I, I have my draft coach is uh, McCaffrey, running back from Stanford. I think he would fit Kyle's system and be a great number two with Carlos Hyde. I mean, that's who I would look at in the second round if I, I mean, if, if Shanahan and Lynch – had that possibility. I think that would be a good fit for this team with the way they are going out and how they are building up this team right now. My draft crush is the running back for the Utah. Joe mm. Williams. Um, a lot of people like McCaffrey. McCaffrey's very good. My issue with McCaffrey is that he it's not his fault either. Um, David Shaw wore him down, man. David Shaw ran him like he was a professional athlete and gave him the ball like 30, 35 times a game, uh, which really wasn't fair. I mean, that kid wasn't getting paid. And I think it, I mean, he ended up getting hurt 
and I think it's going to negatively affect his future. I think David Shaw was really um, uh, irresponsible with how he used McCaffrey, and I, I, I feel sorry for these college kids. They don't make money. They have to play like they're professionals, and a lot of times this amateur uh, college uh, stuff uh, hurts their future. Um, I really wouldn't mm-hmm. invest in McCaffrey because I'm afraid of the, tr- you know, as the cliche, the trade on the tires. That's, I mean, he's had a lot, a lot, of, a lot of carries in college. Uh, this kid, Joe Williams, um, has much fewer uh, tread on his tires. He have, he did retire for four games last year, but he was, he's a kid. He was dealing with grief um, from his sister dying when he was younger. Uh, he had some injuries, and he came back and averaged 7.1 yards a carry uh, through, like, eight games. I mean, he was unbelievable. He ran a 4-4-2 at the combine. Um, that's my draft crush. Uh, but coming back to what the Niners might do in the beginning of the draft, I think it's pretty clear. They signed four offensive players today. It seems like they're going to try to build that defense um, through the draft. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah. they went um, defense in the first and second round. And the guys that I think they'd target, to me, I don't think they're going to go D-line in the first round. I mean, you have Armstead, Buckner, and Lynch. I like all three of those players. And no, me, no, no, like, no. Solomon like Thomas, dude. How how can you not pick him, dude? How? Here, here's, here's why. Because to me, like, of the players that have a future on this team, there are very few. And three of them are Armstead, Buckner, and Lynch. Uh, so, and the way it works in this, like, Seahawks defense, um, Lynch, it's like, they, they have it's the four tech, the one tech, the three tech, and the six technique. So that yep. means the four technique is the right defensive end. It's how they usually do it. Uh, the right defensive end, like you're thinking like Alden Smith, but this is different. It's it's uh it's head up with the right with the left tackle, and in um in Seattle that's Michael Bennett. In San Francisco that's going to be Armstead. If the Niners drafted uh, Solomon Thomas, that would be Solomon Thomas. So. Basically, if you draft Solomon Thomas, you got to trade Armstead or bench him. No, you got to trade Armstead because they they play the exact same role. I mean, it's that I'm it's okay. that four technique on ba- in the base, and then a three technique on passing downs, like rushing against a guard. Um, so I don't think I'm not ready to move on from Armstead. I really liked what he did as a rookie. I thought he uh, was a force as a pass rusher pushing the pocket. I thought he really pushed the pocket well as a rookie, as a 21-year-old rookie who'd been a full-time mm. football player for a year. Um, he got hurt last year. I, I'm not ready to give up on him, and plus he's selling low anyway. Uh, and plus, I don't, I'm not sure that Solomon Thomas is the best player available anyway. He's excellent. But I also like the, the safety from LSU, Jamal Adams. I think he is Eric Berry. I mean, I think he's, he's an all-pro. Um, and I would be definitely cool with drafting him at number two and putting him – at that Camp Chancellor box safety spot, the Keanu Neal uh, role they have in, in, in Atlanta. Um, it's a very important uh, role in the Seahawks defense, in this Pete Carroll defense, because, one, you've got to be that eighth man in the box. You've got to be a great tackler. You've got to be uh, an enforcer, someone who uh, frightens wide receivers and makes them think twice about running over the middle, because that's how you beat cover three. I mean, if you try to run deep against Richard Sherman, you, you're, you're going to lose. But if you run him across the middle, then his his uh, his speed is his lack of speed is exposed, and his lack of quickness is exposed. That's how. But that's how you beat him. You you, you run horizontally. But if you're afraid of getting knocked out by.
by that strong safety like Cam Chancellor, <laughs> you're not going to run across the middle. So it's really important. And also you have to be – in addition to being like another linebacker, you have to be very good in, in man coverage also. So uh, that's mm-hmm. why it's not just Earl Thomas. I mean, both safeties are important. And I, to me, you move Ward to free safety. And I don't really – I don't like Eric Reed. I mean, no one's afraid of Eric Reed. He, he's not no. a big hitter. He makes business decisions. He's a free safety that doesn't really fit this team anymore. And the other guy is Jaquaski Tart, who has shown nothing in the NFL. Like, Armstead has shown something. Aaron Lynch has shown, shown something. Tart has shown nothing. He's a project who may develop into something, but I wouldn't just – I mean, maybe they, they plan on giving him uh, a, uh, a starting spot, but I, I wouldn't not draft Jamal Adams because you have Jaquaski Tart. So, anyway, that's what I would do in the first round. And the second round, I would take – uh, are you guys familiar with the linebacker from um, Vanderbilt? Is that Cunningham? Yes. Oh yeah, monster. I like He's him. A monster. I like him. He mm-hmm. reminds me of KJ Wright, or even better, the dude from um, Kansas City who's kind of old and blew out his Achilles tendon. Derek Johnson. When Derek Johnson was younger, that guy was great. Uh, that's who uh, Zach Cunningham reminds me of. He's a bigger linebacker who can cover a tight end who's displaced from the formation. And that's so important in today's uh, game. Like it, when things get spread out on third down and a tight end isn't really like in a tight end spot, he's more like in the slot. You know, who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? Who's going to cover Rob Gronkowski? Those types of players. And it's not a linebacker who's six feet tall. You know, if you're giving up six, seven inches to Rob Gronkowski, you've got no chance. Um, and that's why it's so important to have one guy, one linebacker, six three, six four, and can play in space, not just in the box. And that's it, that Cunningham. I think that's who the Niners should be targeting in round two. That's who I would target. Um, well, and well, speaking if, of if linebackers, you look at those Pete Carroll you... defenses, they always have a six three guy, Kevin Kevin uh, Smith, Kelvin Smith in Jacksonville, uh, DeAndre uh, Devondre Campbell in Atlanta, and KJ Wright. They always have a guy who can displace and cover a, uh, a uh, tight end in space. That's my spiel. Keep going. What do you think about Malcolm Smith's sign? Yeah, he would be the other outside linebacker. So it's like they have the Sam who is who is like K.J. Wright, right? He's like off the ball uh, in an inside linebacker position but shaded towards the tight end and able to cover the tight end if need be. Um, he like on the Seahawks defense is K.J. Wright and uh, – Cam Chancellor on that side of the – Cam Chancellor is actually on the line of scrimmage, like almost like an outside linebacker, and K.J. Wright is next to Bobby Wagner. So Bobby Wagner would be away from the tight end, and then there would be another – you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's an eight-man box that they do in this defense that I was going to run. So you have yeah. uh, Cam Chancellor on one side of the line of scrimmage, and then you have the weak side linebacker opposite on the line of scrimmage again. That's what Malcolm Smith used to do for the for – the, um, Seahawks, and that's what I think he'll do for the Niners. The last couple of years, he was playing inside linebacker for the Raiders, and he was pretty much a liability. I mean, he can't cover. He's not that big. He's not that good in coverage. Uh, he, but um, it, as that as just that guy who's setting the edge on the other side of the uh, of, of the formation from the tight end. I mean, that's not a very tough spot. I mean, that's what like Dan Scuda played for the Jaguars. I mean, basically, you're just asking like the guy to like set the edge and like be responsible for what that's like the that's the c gap on the um mm-hmm. on the weak side i mean it's not yep. it, it, i mean he's not going to play on in sub packages he'll be he'll, i mean unless unless bowman can't play then i guess malcolm smith would be uh in line to play that spot at mike um 
but he doesn't have the height to play Sam. Uh, that would be Zach Cunningham in my dream scenario. Um, so to me, Malcolm Smith is just a serviceable guy who has experience in this system, who has played for uh, Robert Saleh in, in Seattle, just sort of knows the terminology. That's what, a big thing I'm, I'm seeing, like with Garcon and now um, Hoy- Hoyer and uh, Smith. These are three guys that have played for these uh, coaches before. So basically what you're what you're signing is comfort. Like they know your system. It's like you are teaching Spanish two and they have taken Spanish one. You know what I mean? Like they, they know the basics and you're saving the time of having to teach new students Spanish one, even though they might be really good at Spanish and you don't even know it. And they might have an mm-hmm. aptitude for language and they might be quick learners. You're just saving, saving a year. And going straight to Spanish to people that know your terminology. Does that make sense? Is that a good metaphor? Yeah. No, it is. It is. I think that's um, what they're going for. Familiarity, comfort. You know, and let's talk about – well, we have to talk about it. <laughs> Our quarterback that we paid, uh, Mr. Hoyer, um, I like to sign. I really do. Um, until that whatever draft, whatever quarterback we get, if it's Cousins next year or whatever – um, I like the Hoyer sign. I, I think it's um, uh, all the quarterbacks out there. You don't want to play going in no fourteen or fifteen million. Um, and the rest of the guys, I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, and I, I think it was the right sign. Um, you know, depending on what his weapons are around him, I still don't think they're done with that. But at the same time, uh, what's your opinion on Mr. Hoyer? Well, here's how I look at it. I was in favor of the Niners signing Matt Schaub as a backup, and I think this sort of serves the same purpose because the idea of bringing in Schaub would to have it would to be uh, would be to have a quarterback who knows Kyle Shanahan's system again familiarity, and I, I think that is so much more important at quarterback than at wide receiver or any other position because quarterback is the most important position. Quarterback everything go, rolls, goes to the quarterback. Uh, it's a quarterback driven league. So having familiarity there in the quarterback meetings uh, during practice is extremely valuable and can help the starter. Now, I don't, I don't think Hoyer should be the starter. Now, like, if you bring in Garcon and you're trying to win now, like, I don't think Hoyer helps, but he could help mm. the next guy they sign or whoever, whomever they draft. Like, to me, this is, Hoyer is just there to help the other guy. Um, I mean, th- this is not a guy who – seems like he should be starting anymore in the NFL. Since fifteen. I mean, he just got off IR. It was his second time on IR. Uh, I mean, he's never mm-hmm. seemed like that. He's had stretches in the regular season where he's been pretty good, like six, seven games here and there. But all I think of when I think of Brian Hoyer is the playoff game against the Chiefs where he threw five interceptions. Like, that's all I think of. I'm sorry. He, he just seems like such a backup to me. Um, and in this system, he's a he's a, a valuable backup because of his knowledge of the system. But I, mm-hmm. if I were them, I would still want to sign Jay Cutler, or if not him, you really have to you really have to consider drafting one of these one of these quarterbacks. And I'm not really into any of them um, this uh, year. Uh, I would be no, into drafting uh, one next year. But I just don't anybody think but Cutler. Really... <laughs> Please <laughs> I, look, man. I, uh, I would be much more comfortable with Cutler starting than Brian Hoyer. I mean, Brian Hoyer, oh, oh, he's yeah, just, but he's Brian just Hoyer not knows that the system. 
He knows now, Grant, great, he, he, he had his best year Kyler. under. He had his best year under Kyle when he was with the Browns. When Kyle was there, I mean, it's. I think this is a wait, bridge. Wait, wait. His rating was seventy-five that year, seventy-nine. Look it up. I did. Twenty fourteen. I mean, he didn't uh, have. He won seven games, but his rating, his rating was not good. I mean, uh, now he didn't have. He didn't have Pierre Garcon. He did have Josh Gordon. Am I wrong? He had Gordon for some of the season. <laughs> some of the season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to me, Hoyer. Yeah, I mean, well, people talk a lot of mess about Cutler, and obviously Cutler has big problems. I mean, Cutler's problem is decision making. He makes some of the worst decisions you have ever seen. It's like what, it, like bonehead, like it, it makes you want to slam your head against the wall. Like, how did you just give the game away with that? But he is such a natural in terms of all the physical stuff, not just like athleticism, but uh, footwork. Um, quick release, arm strength, uh, even accuracy. To me, he reminds me of Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer was maddening like, like, like Jay Cutler until he went to Arizona and hooked up with a very good coach. And basically what Arians did, and this might be a moot point because they may not sign Cutler, but what, I just want to say what Arians did with, with Palmer was just make him a better decision maker, help him uh, with his decision making. And all of a sudden Palmer went from throwing 20 picks a year to 10, and he became pretty good took him to the playoffs, won a few games, didn't take him all the way, but he was uh, definitely a serviceable uh, quarterback for a few years. I don't know. I, I feel like if Kyle Shanahan is as good as we think he is, he could get a similar um, return from, from someone like Jay Cutler who has all that physical ability but really needs help with the mental side of the game. Brian Hoyer has no physical ability, man. That guy has the physical ability – of a backup. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Uh, maybe he makes better decisions than Cutler, but that's what Kyle Shanahan is for. You're supposed to be able to help a guy like that. So if Hoyer is actually, if you're asking him to, to start 16 games next year, I mean, uh, what was the point of signing Pierre Garçon? Like, are you trying to win now? Or are you, are you, is this, I mean, I, I, it just seems like he's totally there to be the backup. Like I, I can't imagine him being the starter next year. All right, Grant, we got about, we have about two more minutes with you. I'm going to bring on uh, – we have a couple questions here for you. Um, so I'm going to bring on uh, Mr. Anthony Passo. Anthony, how you doing, brother? You're on with Grant Cohen. Hey, what's going on, guys? How's it going, Grant? Hey, Anthony, how you doing? Good, good. Um, yeah, just listening to the show. And, you know, I do agree with a lot of uh, what's being said. I'm going to put a little devil's advocate here. Um I do like all the moves that are being made. I do like Quentin Panton, though. I wish I could have kept him. I know there was questions about him. I just seen something in him where he'll get his hands on the ball and look to make, you know, stretch the field and, and make something out of a play. But, uh, you know, uh, irregardless, he's gone. Um, I want to say I really have faith in Kyle Shanahan. I have faith in John Lynch. Um, I think they're doing good things, and um, I heard everyone throwing their predictions out there with four wins, six wins. I'm saying that a good coach has the ability to come in and spot the talent, see the strengths of certain players, and where to implement them to win now. So I'm expecting nine wins this this season. Um, Nine wins, eight wins at the least. 
Uh, anything less, I don't. I, I, I will consider it not, not a success. I understand it does happen in the NFL, but my 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 hopes of what I'm seeing are put so high right now that you take someone like a Jim Harbaugh that comes in and he takes a team that couldn't figure out how to win eight games that was built by Nolan or started by Nolan and then Singletary uh, and, and nobody could figure out how to use these players until Jim Harbaugh came in, someone that understood player personnel, how to spot uh, strengths in players and just implemented a system that worked immediately. So I, I don't know what your thoughts are about that kind of thought process. Well, to me, I, I like your enthusiasm, uh, and I understand. I mean, people said that last year with Chip Kelly, and it was a joke because Chip Kelly isn't a good coach. And well, I, I think Kyle Shanahan, Chip Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> I think Kyle Shanahan is a good coach, and so I understand where you're coming from. To me, the difference is that what Harbaugh walked into was actually a veteran team. Um, I mean, Justin Smith in his prime, Frank Gore in his prime, uh, uh, Vernon Davis in his prime. Um, so he sort of unlocked a uh, veteran team that had been mismanaged. This is different. This is a, uh, a blank slate rebuild from scratch. I mean, this is, I, I would say, one of the uh, least talented 49ers teams in franchise history down there with what they had in 2004, you know, in, in like 1978. I mean, this is a team that has DeForest Buckner, who's young, uh, Eric Armstead, who's young, uh, Aaron Lynch, who's young, uh, and that's about it. I mean, Joe Staley's old. Carlos Hyde is coming off an MCL, and he's inconsistent. Jeez, um, Jimmy Ward is unproven. Uh, Navarro Bowman, is, is, is he ever going to play again? And if he does, what, what's he going to be like? Uh, the quarterback is Brian Hoyer. He's on his 15. Uh, Pierre Garçon is, is uh, uh, not getting better. Um, Vance McDonald, who is he? I mean, this is uh, – I don't, I don't think Jim Harbaugh could even win uh, eight games with this roster. This is a – I think it's a slow, long rebuild. Um, that's how I see it. What, what, do you, what about you? What about Jeff and uh, Brian? I, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it is going to be, you know, a, a slow rebuild. Do I think that um, they're trying to speed up the process? Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah, I, I think that's clear. You know, I think that's I, clear. Obviously, um, you know, and I still, for how much everyone doubts it, I still think, I still think Washington kind of closes the door and says maybe Cousins does come here. And this is what I want to say about Cousins: Do I think he's the elite quarterback? Absolutely not. <laughs> but he is the best quarterback right now that the 49ers could bring in. You know, you don't see Tom Brady's not leaving. You know, all these other elite quarterbacks, they're not leaving their teams right now. Um, so I Here's think what I want to say about best... Cousins. Go ahead. Let me say something about Cousins. Um, look, Cousins is, is good, but unless you have – even Tom Brady, I mean, even the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Joe Montana, uh, you, you need a supporting cast. I mean, a supporting cast is so crucial. Um, and look at Cousins. He had a fantastic supporting cast. I mean, it couldn't have oh, gotten no. much better on offense. It couldn't have gotten oh, better. He had oh, yeah. Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, Jordan Reed, mm-hmm. uh, Jameson Crowder, 
Um, and so I have a stat. I will look this up. I look this up. In 2015, Kirk Cousins played six games without uh, Deshaun Jackson, and in those games, his rating was 87, um, which is ordinary. It's average. Deshaun Jackson is really, really good. I mean, he's like a super duper duper Taylor Gabriel. I mean, he he scares the bejesus out of opposing defenses. They all week they're thinking, how am I going to stop this guy? He's going to run right by me. I mean, he could score 80 yard touchdown on any play. And when you have a guy like that, boy, everyone else gets better. Pierre Garçon looks better. Quarterback looks better. Jordan Reed looks better. Everyone, there's so much more space options, uh, all of that. So, I mean, if he could only do 87 without Deshaun Jackson, what's, what would he do on the 49ers where he's got Pierre Garçon and that's it? I mean, I, I, don't, I think it's unrealistic to ask Cousins or any quarterback outside of Tom Brady to come to the 49ers and post good numbers. I mean, you almost would have to expect a, a subpar statistical season. And if that's what you're going to expect, then why are you trading multiple first-rounders for that? You know, for a guy who's going to come in and post the 84, 85, 86 rating, like, why don't you just wait a year and then build up your supporting cast and then create a situation where he would be more apt to succeed? I mean, I think there's a lot of examples of doing that. I mean, look at the Cowboys. They brought in uh, they brought in Dak Prescott, and he has supporting cast. So much of quarterback success is, is dependent on his uh, his situation. No, no, it is. I mean, but I mean, Cousins in Washington really all he had was his wide receivers. I mean, he had the twenty seventh or twenty eighth best wide receiver or uh, running back group, and his defense was terrible. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah, I'm just talking about offense. You know, I'm just talking about 28th. I mean, well, the offense, he had no running game, so he had to throw constantly. We're coming to San Francisco. He's going to get a top 10 running game. You know, and if you add the minor the pieces of a wide receiver, you'll see his attempts of throwing go down because he has a running game versus where he was in Washington. And I believe you'll see him get more, more production out of making the better decisions in the passing game because other teams are going to worry about the running game more than worrying about just as much as worrying about the passing game via versus when they worried nothing but the passing game in Washington and let the running game go because they didn't I don't have think a you can just I don't think you can just assume that the Niners are going to have a top 10 running game uh one thing about I mean it is a it, it has he has had success in the past Kyle Shanahan, but one thing about his running game, it's that outside zone scheme, and that is not what Trent Balky built this O-line to do. I mean, that's a gap power scheme, and the difference is with the outside zone, I mean, it's all offensive linemen that run. I mean, you're you're running, uh, you're you're trying to run the defensive line uh, off their spot and get them running down the line of scrimmage. So if you look at, like, all the offensive linemen on Atlanta last year, look at their 40 times, they're all 5-1-5 five, five and below. Those are fast offensive linemen. And what mm-hmm. Balky drafted were, were strong offensive linemen, guys that can knock people backwards. It's a whole different thing. I mean, that's what the Raiders do. Like, Gabe Jackson is, is slow. He runs a 5-5. Five, five. Same with Osemele. But those guys will knock you backwards. It's a whole different mentality. I mean, they'll create a new offensive, uh, new line of scrimmage on on the defensive side of the ball. So I just don't, I don't know if 
Kyle Shanahan has the personnel on offensive line or running back either to to just duplicate what he had in, in Atlanta. I mean, Joe Staley could do it. He's great, but Garnett ran the five three. Trent Brown is huge. I mean, he runs a five three. Uh, Kilgore isn't that fast. He's coming off a torn hamstring. Um, I mean, Beatles isn't that fast. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not the same type of – he didn't have the same type of speed he had in Atlanta. So, uh, again, I mean, you're bringing in a quarterback without without the supporting cast, in my opinion. I mean, Carlos Hyde, he's coming off injury. He's injured a lot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in favor of build, building up the supporting cast before bringing in uh, the quarterback that you want. Um, now, on the other hand – you look again at Carson Wentz. He didn't have much of a supporting cast, and that didn't go so well for him last year. But uh, he had he got experience, um, and he will be uh, better for it this year, and he'll improve the supporting cast eventually. So there are different ways to go about it. I just it, it's one thing to draft a guy; it's another thing to, to trade all of that capital, uh, all those picks for a guy who's almost thirty, um, and then to set him back for a couple of years. And, pay him like $50 million to win like eight games. and two. It's like he's just going to take a lot of grief, a lot of pounding. Um, why not just wait a year and sign him, you know? I mean, if he wants to come here that bad, just wait a year. Sign him next year. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. All right, my man. I mean, well, I, I I appreciate you uh, coming join us. Um, yeah, I love it. And, and uh, uh, yeah, no, definitely. Questions? Uh, you know, uh, no, I, yeah, no, I can can answer some more questions if you like, you like, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, we're about to bring in, uh, Joe Marino. Why don't we bring him in now? Um, so, uh, Joe is obviously, uh, Joe, you with us? I'm here. Thanks guys. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, you're on the phone with, uh, Grant Cohen from the, uh, Press Democrat, um, and uh, me, myself, Brian, and then my co-host, Jeff. And uh, obviously, we wanted to get you on, talk a little, uh, a little uh, obviously, draft and <laughs> 49er talk. And uh, and how's everything going with, uh, with Draft Breakdown? Well, everything's going well, uh, actually, with FanRag Sports and NDT Scouting and uh, – we're, we're busy yep. uh, putting out all the content we can and uh, have the Draft Dudes podcast going. And I just rolled out our premium subscription at NDT Scouting. So a lot going on, a lot of content, and uh, uh, plenty to uh, for the people to keep up with if they're following along with me. Now, where where can we find Draft Dudes? When do you guys hear that? Draft Dudes, yeah, Draft Dudes is the podcast with uh, Kyle and I. You can find it on iTunes and Audio Boom, and it's powered by FanRag Sports. Beautiful. Beautiful. And, uh, yeah, we were just, uh, we were talking about a little bit about, uh, obviously if the 49ers stay at two, what to do. Uh, and, uh, what, what would you do if you're stay if the 49ers stay at two, who would you look at, uh, as far as well, the pickups today and maybe, uh, pickups in the future. Um, does anyone stand out to you at the, at that second pick? Well, you know, it's interesting. Obviously, I think Miles Garrett's the number one pick on in the draft, so the Absolutely. San Francisco 49ers are basically on the clock. 
And so they've got a big decision to make. You know, I don't know what type of trade opportunities would be there, but that's something they should probably consider. But that's all speculation. One thing we do know is that they have the number two pick. So if they're prepared to make a selection, uh, you know, you look at all the prospects in this draft and all the blue chippers, it seems are, it seems like there's just something about them, right? Marshawn Lattimore's got the hamstring. Uh, you look at um, uh, the uh, Leonard Fournette, do you really want to take a running back that high? Is he worth it? Uh, John mm-hmm. Allen didn't test nearly as well as anybody thought he would. You know, Reuben Foster with his altercation, I'm not really thinking that's a big deal, but it's something to be mindful of and, um you know, so what I think about with the 49ers at number two is go ahead and figure out which quarterback you like and pull the trigger. And that means vetting through, you know, Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky. And then uh, for me, that's it. That's the only two options. But, you know, they need to do their due diligence on Deshaun Kaiser and um, and make make one of those three guys your choice, whichever quarterback you like, get your guy and get your guy to, to work with uh, Kyle Shanahan and, uh, it start building around them. Uh, you, you got your stopgap quarterback now in Brian Hoyer. You still got a season to play next year for 49ers fans. I know that you're not going to be competitive, but you have to get through the season. <laughs> and uh, uh, so Brian Hoyer can do that if he's healthy and, and uh, give yourself some time to groom whoever the quarterback is. And I think quarterback's direction that San Francisco needs to take at number two. Joe, this is Grant Cohn. I want to ask you, are there is there any quarterback in the draft that you would give a grade that's up there with uh, Jamal Adams or Solomon Thomas? No, mm. those those two players are are rated higher than any quarterback that I have. My number one quarterback is Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, he's Me got too. the accuracy. Yeah, he's got the accuracy and he's got the decision making and the pocket skills that I value. Obviously, he didn't start as many games as everyone wish he did. Uh, but he's got more passing attempts than Cam Newton had coming out and just under Carson Wentz. Uh, so uh, I what? like the skill set that I see in Mitchell Trubisky, and, and to me he's the guy that the 49ers should really laser in on. No, he's not as high a graded prospect as Adams or Solomon Thomas, but uh, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have anything. And you've got to try to get that position right, and, and to me that's, the, uh, that's just how this NFL is. If you want a quarterback, you've got to take him earlier than you want to. Who would you compare yeah, was... Trubisky to? Do you have a now saying for that? Who? Now saying that with Trubisky, I have a thing I've watched in some tape. Chad Kelly from Old Miss. If he did not tear his ACL, would you guys have him ranked as the best quarterback coming out of college versus Trubisky and Kaiser and Watson? Oh, that's very easy for me. Uh, Chad Kelly. Let's pretend he never tore any ACLs. Let's pretend he never had an off-the-field issue. His tape is undraftable for me. Uh, He's got a big arm. His redeeming quality is that he has a big arm and he can drive the football to any part of the field. But he's about the worst decision-maker you'll ever see with the football in terms of what he tries to do with it, forcing it into places that it cannot go. Uh, not any type of understanding of how coverage dictates where the football should go on a given rep. Um, He's erratic. With, with his accuracy, he cannot fit the football where he wants it to. So not only is he a bad decision maker, he can't make accurate throws. And, uh, you know, his redeeming quality is that he can throw the ball hard. Well, you know, that's – Jamarcus Russell can throw the ball hard and far. Uh, there, there is a – his pocket, his mechanics are, are poor. I mean, this is just a quarterback that lacks refinement on in, in every area. And, and, and when you couple that with 
egregious off the field issues, multiple ACL tears. And yeah. uh, it, it's just, a, it's a package. You don't want anything to do with whatsoever. So and he's undraftable film and, and really a guy that you don't even want in your building when you took it, the, we'll take a look at the whole package. I want to ask you about wow. my quarterback, uh, Pat Mahomes. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on him? I, I, Pat Mahomes is interesting, right? Um, he's a guy that uh, kind of has that touchdown to check down mentality. You like that aggressiveness. Um, you like what he can do in terms of uh, manipulating the pocket and escaping the rush and making throws on the run. Um, he's got uh, he's got head scratching mechanics as well, uh, and, and his uh, his accuracy is hit or miss. But I like the baseline skills to work with. Um, he's a guy that uh, will get drafted a lot higher than his film suggests he should. You know, he's probably going to go in the first round, early second round, probably a guy that's mm-hmm. more of a third or fourth round pick. Um, but uh, you, you think about trying to take a chance on greatness with a quarterback, which is something that's worth taking a chance on. And I think you have an interesting skill set to work with Patrick Mahomes uh, in terms of when, when you watch this guy, you see a lot of different players and different things that work in the NFL kind of all encapsulated in uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's just not consistent. He needs to work on mechanics and inaccuracy and, and winning from the pocket. Mm-hmm. His ability to do that's hit or miss or certain games or my notes uh, are very positive from what he can do in the pocket. And then against some of the other teams like West Virginia and Oklahoma, he wasn't nearly the pocket passer. So consistency is the issue there, but the, uh, the skills suggest that he has a high ceiling. Is the negativity because of his offense that he, he ran? Or is that no, you not notice I didn't say one. Yeah, I didn't say one thing about his offense in that whole spiel. Obviously, it's a concern. It's the major transition. Mm-hmm. Look at Jared Goff and what he had to do this year uh, in terms of just learning how to get in and out of a huddle and take a snap from center and, uh, and the timing that comes with that. Now, you one thing I do appreciate about the air raid system is that it's predicated on space and understanding how uh, receivers will obtain leverage. So you like his ability to do that. Uh, The system's a concern because it's a transition, but for me it's about traits, and I like the traits a lot. It's just something in the back of your mind that Mahomes is probably going to be a year year or two away from being ready to play. Joe, Hmm. let me ask you about Kaiser. To me, uh, outside of Trubisky, Kaiser's the only other quarterback who matters in this draft. He had, to me, he has major issues with his footwork. I mean, he doesn't point his, his front foot towards his target, which leads to inaccuracy. But footwork is correctable, and I think if he lands in the right situation with the right coach, he could be pretty good. What do you think? Well, you know, I, I think with Kaiser, um, he's got some, some nice moments. Obviously, the Texas game this year was pretty great. Started off the season, uh, you know, really, really well. Um, the issue is that, to your point, footwork. I, I, I did, would disagree. I don't know how correctable it is. It, it, it needs a lot of work. His ability to function in quick game is really, really concerning because his feet are so bad. Uh, he, he, he really struggles to find a platform that's sustainable for throwing a football, and then when he does find a football platform, even though it's slow, his ability to transfer his weight is very poor when he's making his throws, and then his release. It's very elongated. His throwing motion is elongated. So when you think about operating with timing and precision in the quick game in the short areas of the field, he doesn't have the traits that you're looking for in that area, and that really impacts his grade for me. 
significantly he's yeah. down he's down my board. Yeah. Certainly not somebody I'm looking at in the first round. And then you look at it, look at the, what he did in Indy with his three cone drill. Very poor, almost a seven five three cone drill. And and then you think about when he's in mm-hmm. those in the passing drills and setting his feet, he, he just can't do it. And you know, that's a that's a you know, it's it's seems like it's something easy, but you're talking about reworking a player who's played quarterback for years his whole life and thrown a football one way. Asking him to change all that muscle memory is going to have him thinking and getting away from what he does best. Now, what I like about Kaiser is what he can do in tight quarters when when traffic's uh, when things are coming breaking down around the pockets collapsing. He has quite a bit of a of a poise to hang in there and make throws. And when his mechanics do uh, come together, you know he makes Sunday throws. There's no question about it. He's got the ability to push the ball down the field. He's got ability with his, with his feet to extend plays as, and pick up uh, yards as a runner and a passer. But, you know, the, the mechanic stuff is, is, is alarming, uh, very, very alarming. I guess the reason I'm int- intrigued by Kaiser is, uh, so, to me, someone like Bill Walsh, Walsh was a genius at reworking people's footwork. I mean, that was his main thing. He did it with Steve Young. Uh, he did it with Joe Montana. Now, Joe Montana didn't have footwork like that, but he could teach it. Walsh could teach that. And if someone could teach that to Kaiser, I think he would be good. But as you say, he has such a, a, a long way to go, and it's not that simple. It would take a, an extraordinary coach, and there aren't that many of them. So I, I see, I see well, what you're saying with Kaiser. Yeah, it's, and it's not just his feet. It's the elongated throwing motion. So it's not, it's not yeah. just the platforms. It's once mm-hmm. the platform's there, that, the cock in the football and windmilling it around, you know, that's, not yeah. a, that's not a release that we see successful Sunday quarterbacks having. It's Kaepernick-esque. Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, that's not bad. That's not bad. It's it's something like that. That's fair. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. You know, sure. I, I'd like to know your answer. Um, Marshawn Lattimore and Marlon Humphreys. What are yes. the differences, and what 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 do one what does one do better than the other? Good football players. That, those are my number one and number two cornerbacks right there. I'm a little concerned with the hamstrings uh, for, for Lattimore, but assuming he's healthy, uh, you know, I really like, they're kind of different in, in a sense. I, I think that uh, Marshawn Lattimore really excels in, in cover three, cover one looks where he can play off the ball, flip his hips, run. He can keep his eyes in the backfield and take away throwing lanes. He's got really, really outstanding ball skills. Both of them are physical, willing to come down and defend the D-gap. But for me, uh, that's what makes Marshawn Lattimore a a higher grade than Marlon Humphrey is the ball skills. I think he's superior in that area. Um, Humphrey might have a little bit better uh, press technique and ability to jam at the line of scrimmage, flip his hips, and run. Uh, Maybe not as good in the off looks and when he has to play from the trail and locate the football. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you want to play a lot of uh, man, flip your hips, run, press the line of scrimmage, that's Marlon Humphrey. A little bit more in that off-man cover three type stuff where the ball skills and the ability to play forward and backward come into play. Uh, I think that's where you want to favor Marshawn Lynch – or Marshawn Lattimore, excuse me. But uh, those two guys <laughs> for me are the best two corners in this class on tape. Really exciting guys. Now, what about Tankersley? I mean, obviously, you know, he, he really played in big games – and, uh, you know, a lot of people have a third, fourth-round grade on him. I'm kind of wondering, what, you know, what do you see in him that maybe why he's so far down on the board um, as far as, you know, rating players in the cornerback positions? 
With Tankersley, uh, I, I like him. The ball skills are really nice. Um, he's uh, he's just not he's not as quick with his feet. His footwork seems a little bit elongated. Uh, and so when you're asking him to play from the trail and, and be able to close down distance and remain in phase uh, in space with the receivers, it's, a, it's not quite uh, what you're looking for. Um, so, uh, you know, he's more of a physical guy at the line of scrimmage. Press skills are nice. Ball skills are nice. Zone skills are nice. But it's some of those man looks where you ask him to be isolated. Um, you know, he, he's uh, – you weren't – not so much that he performed bad on tape because – Clemson really relied on him. They rolled coverage away from Tankersley. If you watch mm-hmm. the All-22, you know, it was very interesting. It was, a, it was a cover three, but it was a cover three where they asked him to cover so much space, and uh, yeah. he did really well. But uh, I, I worry about him being able to remain in phase with some of these faster receivers at the next level. What okay. about, uh, what about uh, Sidney Jones from Washington? Good. Yeah, Sidney Jones right there behind uh, Adam Moore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Humphrey, he's my cornerback three right now. He's uh, t- terrific ball skills, very very smooth. Um, his ability to anticipate routes is really nice. I, I like him in quick game uh, and covering down the field. Um, he's just a little bit light in the trunk, a little bit narrow in his frame, uh, and so I'm not sure he's going to his physicality at the line of scrimmage that he showed in college is going to translate quite as well. Uh, but ball skills, mirror ability, outstanding. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw a wrench at you guys here. Go back to quarterback. What do you think of Nathan Peterman from Pitt? Mm-hmm. And and like yeah, a third Nathan, or fourth round yeah. pick. Good, good player. Uh, Nathan Peterman's a guy. I, read, I did a piece a few weeks ago for Fan Mike Sports. I'd encourage anyone to go back and read it. And the point of it was, you know, this is the guy with baseline starter traits. Um, really productive season with Pitt. That was a historically good Pitt offense, and uh, he was the catalyst for it. Um, makes good decisions, knows how to read the defense, has enough arm strength, good accuracy of the short to intermediate routes with some vertical ability. He places the ball well. He reads leverage. He'll make window throws. He's good in the pocket, has enough uh, uh, mobility to slide his feet and, and, uh, and set a quick platform and throw the football. So he's kind of just kind of just checks all the boxes. You know, he's at a kid everywhere. And, um, you know, when you think about, uh, you know, the, the sleeper quarterback, if you will, uh, he's the guy that I think has a chance to be selected on day two and actually wind up being a uh, productive starter, somebody that can manage games, make a few plays to help you, not going to make you look stupid uh, type of guy. So um, I'm pretty high on Chris – or not uh, – excuse me, on Nathan Peterman as, uh, as that type of uh, a player. He actually graded out in the second round for me. Okay. Grant, you got another got a question? question. <laughs> I got a question. Yeah, uh, the Niners still their biggest need is uh, unquestionably linebacker. I mean, they got they got a big hole in the middle of their defense, same as last mm-hmm. year. They were the worst run defense ever, or close to it. Um, I know everyone likes Ruben Foster. He's terrific. Uh, to me, my favorite linebacker in the draft is Zach Cunningham. I think he's a true three down linebacker who could cover tight ends as well. Uh, what do you think of Cunningham and what do you think of uh, who are your favorite linebackers in the draft? Yeah, I like Cunningham too. Uh, good football player. Got length. He's got size. To your point, he can cover those tight ends, right, which is really important with uh, we, you know, this class coming in and some of these other guys uh, in, in the league right now. I like his ability to process, take on blocks. The concern with Zach Cunningham is he's got, a, I mean, an alarming amount of missed tackles. He just doesn't line. He just doesn't get to the football square 
uh, sometimes mm. over pursues it a little bit. So he's got to break down a little bit, but um, you know, I, I think he can do that. Um, I, I really knocked Deion Jones last year out of LSU for the same reason. And uh, mm. I'm not going to fall. I'm not taking the cheese this year. So uh, I, I like, I like <laughs> Zach Cunningham. Um, could be, could be a nice pick at the top of the second round for San Francisco. Um, other linebackers that I like, man, I really like Hassan Reddick. Really nice football player. Uh, showed oh, well at the Senior Bowl. Showed well at the Combine. And uh, I think he's going to be a starting uh, middle linebacker all day long. Gerard Davis out of Florida is another interesting guy. Um, uh, sometimes I question his path to the football, but everything else is there. Good coverage ability. If you watch the Vanderbilt game, you literally won the game based on him breaking up passes. Uh, really impressive yeah. stuff. Physical. He kind of like you know, he's got that dog fight mentality into him. You know the, the, what you want. Good motor for the middle of your defense. Uh, so those are kind of my guys right there. You know, when you look at the top four linebackers uh, off the ball, Reddick, Foster, I love Foster, you know, a ton. Uh, he, I think he should be considered at two if if, uh, yeah. if San Francisco doesn't go quarterback. But Davis, Cunningham, Reddick, those are kind of the, uh, the cat's pajamas with the linebackers in this class for me. Can Foster cover? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's it's something okay. if you, you you want to pay attention to this year's tape versus the 15 tape, uh, where he okay. was able to you know he shed the weight he dropped like almost 15 20 pounds really added that range and, and ability to uh, to flow in space so uh, no no worries there I I think he actually compares very favorable to your guy Patrick Willis in terms of the way okay. he plays and the way he flows so when I think about an interior triangle of uh, of Armstead Buckner and Foster that's pretty pretty friggin exciting to me. You like better than uh, Jamal Adams? Man, Jamal Adams is great. Uh, Love what he does. Love, love the entire package. Uh, Play the run really well, coming downhill uh, into the boundary, into the box, into the alley, making plays. Uh, Outstanding in coverage. His awareness, his uh, his ability to remain in phase and coverage is really good. The concern with Jamal Adams is this: he didn't test well at the combine, right? He he doesn't have those those plus athletic traits that you're looking for, especially in the top five, top 10 safety. I think his film, you know, is, is obviously, you know, it's his films as good as, you know, you look at safeties over the last 10 years, Sean Taylor, Eric Berry, Jamal Adams, like he's that type of player on tape. Uh, But he didn't really validate that with the athletic ability I was hoping for at Indy. So that maybe hurts him a little bit, but uh, you know, if it's film over everything, he, he, you know, he'll, he'll stack it up against anyone. And sometimes people test poorly at the combine just because it's such a grind waking up every day, going through all those tests, getting poked and prodded. I mean, what, does he, did, he, did you suspect that he might test poorly based on his film, or do you think it's possible he might test better at his pro day and sort of answer those questions? I think it's fair to say this. He didn't test poor. He just test average. You know, and so yeah, I think I know when you're you, talking yeah, about yeah. top of the first round guys, you know, especially at safety, a position where it doesn't really go in the top of the first round. You know, you want to see that plus athlete. So he was just an ordinary average athlete, which is okay, but you're hoping for more. And I, I get your point there on, you know, it's a grind. It's tough. It's the last day. You've been at the combine three days, psychological testing, getting poked, prodded, team interviews, and now you got to go run a 40-yard dash. You know, that's a, it's, 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 it's a grind, but everyone's, you know, everyone's got to do it. And, um, you know, it's, he, he was just an ordinary athlete, not a bad one, though. What do you well, guys think about Ben Bowler from Clemson as uh, an inside linebacker? 
Yeah, Van Wilmer is fun, right? He's um, he's he's a ball of fire. You know, listen to this guy talk. You watch him play. He's always around the football. He finds his way. It's the, the bottom line with him is he is limited athletically, uh, and, and he's undersized, right? So those are those are bad things to to be true about a linebacker. I uh, you know I don't think he's Chris Borland reincarnate or anything like that. I think he's I think he's a late late round pick if at all. The guy that you 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 put on special teams and let him be a wrecking ball covering kicks, maybe put him in on some goal line stuff. But he, he can't he can't play every down on defense, covering guys in space and remaining in phase with running backs and, and tight ends into space, being fast to flow to get outside a tackle box and make plays. He's just you know he's kind of a niche guy and he's small and undersized. Uh, you, you like. He finds his way to the football, but uh, it's just, it's not going to be the same at the next level. Good college football player, and I think he has a place on special teams and as a niche player on defense. But uh, you know, I, I don't think you have a starter by any means here. <laughs> Get that right, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and the other one is uh, that that kind of drew interest is you know Tim Williams, which a lot of people think he's going to have you know trouble getting to that next level. Obviously, we know he can past the rusher um what will his challenges be coming into the nfl you think well there was uh some information that i got over the summer about tim williams and his drug issues and uh mm-hmm. it's it's at a randy gregory level it's bad um he's got he's got struggles with that and i hope he gets that together but um i'm concerned about that and the nfl is concerned about that um he's small 240s uh edge defender you know he's plays a small percentage of the snaps he's a uh, pretty talented pass rusher a guy again didn't test well um, but uh, you know it comes back to and this is something I'm sure 49ers fans can, can can really relate to your best ability is your availability right that's what Bill Belichick says and you know 49ers have been a team that's been snake bitten for years and years uh, the regular players are counting on you know draft picks they draft that uh, never play or they, they're drafted and they think they're going to redshirt them and they never materialize and, you know, you need to, to get return on your investment on these draft picks. And Tim Williams is a risk, and it's a very deep edge class, and I just don't see the reason to, to invest any draft picks on Tim Williams unless it's late in the draft and, uh, you know, he, he happens to be hanging around. But if he's hanging around late in the draft, then, you know, the, the NFL is going to get more information than I ever will, and, and he's got serious issue with drug stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy, crazy. Now, um, you know, everyone keeps on talking about, you know, if the 49ers don't go quarterback this year, you know, the following next year is probably a, a better, you know, people that would be coming out, the kid from USC, obviously, you know, uh, uh, the other kid that slips my mind. Um, but um, do you think it's better for from a 49ers perspective, you know, if the Kirk Cousins things don't, don't work out and they don't take a quarterback this year, do you see in the future where – next year would probably be a better chance to get a better quarterback uh, for the future? You know, I think it sounds like every year that next year is the year to get a quarterback, right? And, and the, so yeah, I don't know if yeah. I'm buying that. You know, I mean, uh, I like Mason Rudolph, Luke Falk's coming out next year. Uh, you, know, you mentioned Sam Darnold. And you want to talk about a bad throwing motion, take a look at this guy. This is Byron Leftwich, like bad throwing motion. I just, nobody wants to talk about that, but Josh Rosen, who's a guy who's, uh, who's got some, some mechanical issues, you know, we'll see, you know, these guys are finished products. So there's a lot of tape left to look at with those guys. So there's some interesting players, you know, just kind of off the cuff that uh, come to mind, but 
you know, it's one of those things, bird in hand's better than two in the bush. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, you Cardinals might not declare. You, 49ers might win three games and a couple other teams, you know, uh, clunk it up yeah. and win one or two. You're not in a position. You know, so for me, you know, right there at two, I just feel like you really need to really think about go ahead and pull the trigger on Trubisky or Watson and uh, go ahead and get your guy now. And, uh, you know, you got your stop kip, cap and Hoyer. I know it's not exciting. I'm Brian Hoyer. I get it. But uh, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I think you just got to you gotta weather this thing. You know, there's a season to play. <laughs> you got to play the games and, uh, you know, start getting the system, get your Kyle Shanahan's program rolling. And um, it's going to be a process. And it's uh, – I'm sure that at the end of the day, the 49ers get this thing right, and it might take a couple more seasons. Um, but, uh, you know, they're in bad shape. They really are. And uh, it's going to take time. And um, yeah. I think it's go ahead and get your, go ahead and get your quarterback now because you just, you just don't know. Yeah. Now, yeah what's, no, your guys thought on, uh, what's your guys' thought on Ryan Mallett? Ryan Mallett. Oh, gosh. I'm, I'm surprised we're talking about him. Um Man, I, um, Ryan Mallett, uh, what is he? He's big statue, big live arm. Uh, he's failed, right? He's he's had a lot of failures with Houston Patriots. Um, you know, I think he's more of a of a, of a tease than anything. Not sure you want him around your program. You know, he's he's not somebody who's really been proven to be a, a team guy and buy in and those types of things and. Um, no, I, I mean, if Ryan, Ryan Mallett's not, not an answer and not, not really anybody I think they should consider having on the team. Well, oh, that's the reason I asked, because uh, ESPN just reported that Jer- Jets, Bears, Niners, and Ravens have reached out to Ryan Mallett. Yeah, I'll tell you, the, the, the NFL's thirsty for these quarterbacks, right? So I, mean, I just sat and talked about Mahomes and Geyser and all these guys. These guys are going to get drafted much higher than they probably should, you know, and it's it's because – you know, the search the search is relentless for a quarterback, and if you don't have a if you don't have a, a good one, you're probably not going to be competing. And if you have an average one, you're kind of stuck. And um, you know, look at the Bills with Tyrod Taylor, how polarizing that decision was. And you, you know, look at the Kirk Cousins situation and how they're just buying it a year at a time. You know, that this quarterback stuff is is interesting. If you if you pay a quarterback that's not worth it, you're stuck because the cap that's involved. I think you saw a little bit of that with Kaepernick. Um, so this stuff is this stuff is quarterback stuff is something that the NFL is is always working to to improve and I can't believe we're really talking about Ryan Mallett. So that, that's that's where we are in, in 2017, huh? Yeah. And uh, who's your who's your guy this year? Who's the guy that says, "Wow, I I want to go back and watch that tape one more time"? From a draft perspective. Yeah. Oh man, uh, this is a great class. You know, I, I think if I if I was gonna, yeah, I can go with Miles Garrett. That's boring, right? You're looking for me to pull a name out. Uh, the guy that I I want <laughs> that I just like, like my guy, right? Derek Rivers, Youngstown State. Uh, this edge guy, he went to Mobile and blew it up. He had a great career at Youngstown State. He tested through the roof uh, at the combine, and I think that he's going to be selected somewhere between, I don't know, me if, if really optimistic in the late twenties all the way down to 50, 55, something like that. But I think he's a ready-made three, four outside linebacker uh, and a guy that uh, is uh, just going to uh, be the the consummate pro, guy you want in your system, and he's going to have a long career, you know, 
just being a steady producer. And I uh, got a chance to meet him when I was in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and you can just tell he loves football. He he's a he's a good good man, and uh, you know that's a guy that I guess you know if I'm gonna you know, pound a table for a guy that maybe uh, is not uh, everyone's clamoring for as a, as a first round guy, but I'd go with Derek Rivers out of Youngstown State. Well, Joe, it was an honor for you to come on the show. You're welcome anytime you want. Uh, go check out uh, Joe Marino at NDT Scouting. And definitely check out Draft Dudes. And, uh, Joe, if you want to give out your uh, maybe Twitter handle here. Yeah, guys, appreciate you having me on. I, I, I feel like I rocked the boat a little here on these uh, on this show. So uh, <laughs> I hopefully I gave you some good good stuff to dissect Absolutely. and think about. Absolutely. Loved and, uh, it. Uh, it. it's it's uh, i i stick to my guns here i watch a lot of tape you know i'm very authentic with what i do so uh you know hopefully yeah, just got some good uh get some good thoughts rolling here but you guys can follow me at the joe marino uh check out the draft dudes podcast on itunes and audio boom and all my written work is on fan reg sports so uh, thanks for having me on this is a lot of fun guys thank you so much joe you take care yes sir thanks okay thanks okay and that was Joe Marino. Uh, very interesting. Lots of insight there. Lots of insight. So we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break here, guys. And we'll be back. And uh, I think it's time to bring Dina on a little here. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages. You're in a good mood today. Yeah, that's because I came to the park in a Windy City limo. They are the best, the 2016 Operator of the Year in America. It's affordable, and it's really worth it. No driving or parking hassles, so there's no stress. They have town cars, fancy stretch limos, elegant motor coaches, Wi-Fi, and all vehicles. And they're global. One call, one bill. Sounds like Windy City Limo has all the bases covered. Nicely played, Ed. You may have a future in broadcasting. Call Windy City Limousine today at 866-94-WINDY or go to WindyCityLimos.com. So I wrote this, when I first wrote this song, uh, I thought I was writing about being born, and uh, so here's kind of a deep subject for all you that remember this in your lives, uh, here's a song about being born, it's called Eagles Fly. Sunday morning, 9 a.m.
Hey, Dominic, why don't you guys ever talk about basketball, baseball, NASCAR, you know, stuff like that? Because we're an MMA combat show. If you want 360-degree coverage like that, you're talking about full-spectrum sports. If it rolls, runs, swings, or scores, they got it covered. Wait, Brock, you own the station. How do you not know this? Oh, I know that. I just wanted a free commercial. Mike dropped. And we're back on Niners Radio. And we're going to bring everybody back in. Dina, Jeff, right. how we doing? Good, good. good. Yourself? Okay. Okay, a lot of a lot of to digest there. And uh obviously on on Niners Radio, you know, some we agree, some we don't. And uh Absolutely. you know, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Um so is there anything, any other gossip out there on Twitter or anything we should bring up? Um, not right now. I mean, I'm just uh, going over it myself as we speak. I mean, Campbell's gone to the Jags, and, you know, okay. it's, it's it's funny how uh, people just uh, are going all over the place. It's, it's not uh, – Bennett's not coming back to – New England, and a report came out by, what was it, Comcast Sports back in the Mid-Atlantic from in the Washington Redskins area that Kirk Cousins does not want to play in Washington. And that was yeah. posted not a few minutes ago by their own Comcast Sports Network, uh, CSN Redskins. It was posted five hours ago. Uh, CSN's Redskins verified account. Latest on Kirk Cousins, he reportedly has made it clear he does not want to be with the Redskins. I mean, how is that? That's, you know, something interesting come up. And then the Ryan Mallet thing, it just popped up again on Twitter. It's uh, 49ers among three teams to reach out to quarterback Ryan Mallet, the Ravens' former backup. So, I mean, the kid had talent coming out of college and it's one good. of those that I, I yeah. one of those that I think just. I mean, he's still young. He has, he's got age on his side still. If he just comes with the right attitude, you know, who knows? Maybe he could be. You know, he's had all those years behind. Was it Brady? Yeah. You know. Yeah. It, no, that's true. You know, and that that can frustrate a kid. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it it's all. I mean, he's going to be 29 in June, so he's not young. Maybe he's grown up a little bit. I mean, him and Hoyer compete for it. Maybe it comes out to something. Then again, maybe it doesn't. Okay. All right, so I'm going to put our Dina on on, uh, on here. Dina, oh, batting down the hatches. There's no <laughs> secret. Dina loves Terrell Pryor. And, uh, Dina, I want to know why – you love Terrell Pryor, and what could he bring to the 49ers? You know, I've been watching Terrell since he was quarterback with the Raiders, and I thought that he was wasting his talent there. And then when he switched positions, he just he blossomed. He showed that he could he was better at that than a quarterback. He's he's just awesome out there. You watch him run. You watch him do the crossovers. He's just he's picked up fast, and 
you look at his stats, they're better than this season. They were better than Jeffries. So, I mean, he's got, I mean, I'm sure he's got a lot to learn, but he's still, he's come a long way in the little time he switched over. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I agree 100% with you. Okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But yeah, I, do, I got I, one I fan. <laughs> I do agree with Grant. I, I do think there needs to be another person on our other side. Um, exactly. You know, I, I, yeah. I mean, I love Gwen, but does that do I think he's number two? No, <laughs> he's a slot guy. Um, so, you know, th- there's still some guys out there, guys. I mean, uh, you know, and what I wanted to bring up with Grant is, you know, you look at the free agent wide receivers. And I think there was a good reason why they picked Garcon over everybody. You know, you had Terrell Pryor, who had a phenomenal year last year. Alshon Jeffries, obviously we know he's going to want big money, but he is coming off a ped issue. Um, Josh Gordon, you know, you pre- does he get any more suspensions in games? That's the thing with him. Um, Deshaun Jackson, would he be an issue in the locker room? Uh, Kenny Britt. Doesn't really like San Francisco because he beat him up too much. Uh, and obviously, you know, Brandon Marshall. I personally have seen Brandon Marshall since I live in Chicago. Um, I would have an issue with him going, doing his his broadcasting on Showtime and not really developing. I don't think he's fully committed to football. That's my thing on Brandon Marshall. I think he's a phenomenal talent, and he is. He's a number one wide receiver. I, I agree with that. 33 years old, I don't know. Yeah, um, no. You know, Cordell Patterson, yeah. Eh. Don't know yeah. what happened there. Showed all the talent in the world. And yeah. Just never blossomed. And then uh, Kenny Stills, I believe he resigned with the Dolphins today, right? Yes. I have not heard that. Wait a second. Um, maybe. Oh, wait. Did they tag him? Somebody got tagged today. Ah, uh, yeah. Kenny, Kenny Stills resigned the Dolphins four years, $32 million. Good for him. Going back to that prior versus Alshon, you have to go back yeah. to 2014 before Alshon Jeffries had a better year than what Pryor did last year in 16. And it wasn't by much. It was, uh, what, six more I'm looking at it right now. He had eight more receptions and 100 more yards. That was it. That was the difference from 2014 to 2016 stats of Alshon and Terrell Pryor. Mm. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns then, and Pryor only had four. But, I mean, really, eight more stats, 100 more yards? I mean, 130 more yards, sorry. Let me get that straight. But, yeah, 130 more yards, six more touchdowns off of eight more receptions. That's not a big difference there. And Pryor's, it's his only, what, first full season as a wide receiver. Yes. Okay, I want to answer both this question, and I'll give you you my answer. We'll start with Dina first. Okay, I think there's two number one wide receivers in this draft, Uh, Mike Williams and Corey Davis. Dina, if you had to pick, let's say the – 49ers traded down, and you were looking at a number one wide receiver, would you prefer Mike Williams or would you prefer Corey Davis? 
Oh, man. I, I like them both, but, you know, I'm a Clemson girl, so I'm going with Williams. You're going with Mike Williams. Okay. 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 I I don't even know if I have to ask Jeff this because I know what his answer can be. Go ahead, Jeff. Uh, you know, I mean, how far back are we trading back? Let's say 10 or 12. Let's say 12. Man, I mean, Corey Davis showed good flashes, but you would have to lean towards Mike Williams. He made he made the, Deshaun Watson look better than what Deshaun oh, Watson yeah, he actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey yeah, Davis, he's a, you know, I mean, he's, they're pretty much the same body shape, wide, you know, wide receivers. I think Davis might be a little bit faster. But uh, I think Mike Williams, he reminds me more of a oh, go-up-and-get-him guy, more like a Julio, I hate to say it, like a Julio Jones, but without the Julio Jones speed. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Okay, I agree with that. Um, I think Corey Davis is a, another mole T.O., tell you the honest truth. Um, very strong, strong hands. You can go up and get the ball like Mike Williams. Um, um, I like I like Corey Davis a little bit more. He's a little bit quicker. Um, I think he can separate a little better than Mike Williams. Um, you know, Mike Williams, I, I think there. I think Mike Williams, you would have to kind of move around and get um, you know, put him in motion. And I think he could do, do damage that way. Um, where Corey Davis, I think you could just put it on the outside and let him do his thing. Um, I, you know, you, you put me on a spot there when you said give me, you know, between Williams and Davis and in the first round. Quite mm-hmm. honestly, more I watch tape and the more I watch the wide receivers, the one I'm really impressed with is Chris Goodwin. I think he can actually be a better pro than both of them. I have to And honestly, in watching the film on him from Penn State, I mean, 6'1", 205. He's two inches shorter, about the same weight as Davis, but he just, I mean, just looking at the tape is phenomenal with him. I mean, hmm. he's just, I mean, he, 2,000 yards, you know, receiving in Three seasons, 18 scoring touchdowns in three seasons, 2,000 receiving yards. He's number four of career receiving yard lists and sits number seven on career reception charts. I mean, he's 2,404 yards, 153 receptions. I mean, the kid is just a beast, and I don't think he's getting getting the proper uh, talk, you know, around the draft people. I just I think this is an oversight on a lot of players. There a lot mm. of the experts are missing out on I mean I just just to, I was looking at different draft sites and at one draft site I had them on my list as in the third round. And when I looked I think I talked to you Brian about this last night or the night before. He was ranked to be a fifth or sixth round pick and I told you I go that's not right with this kid. And as of today, I looked at a couple, and they both have him in the third round going to the 49ers. He's moved up two to three rounds in less than 48 hours. And that's (laughs) flying up the charts. 
I mean, mm. that's just phenomenal. I mean, he's wow. going to be, I mean, he did 16, 19 reps. He ran a 4-4-2. He ran the shuttle in a four-second splash, the 20-yard shuttle. I mean, he ran the 60-yard shuttle in 11 seconds. I mean, the kid is just phenomenal. I mean, he's got not, his hands are a little bit on the small side. They're only nine inches, but I mean, that they're not like some of the big guy hands. But it, I mean, vertical jump was 36 inches. You know, 126 inch broad jump. Did the seven three cone drill in seven seconds. He's <laughs> got it. I mean, a four four two, six one, two hundred and ten pounds. I mean, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a star in this league. Honestly. Well, another guy that I think I think we talked – I think it was on our first board, uh, first uh, mock draft we did. Um, and I think it was a fourth-round pick at the time. Um, Anthony Walker from Northwestern, the inside linebacker. Heck, they got him rated yes. in the second second round now. I'm like, son of a gun. I think he was Yeah, I know. Yeah. He, he's gone up. and. Yeah. Uh, like I had Nathan Peterman, the pit quarterback, going I think in the fifth round to us when we first did that. Now he's a yeah. third round pick. I mean he's a third round pick now, and they're just. I mean it's just it's amazing to me how fast. You know we'll have people looking and we'll be like, okay, we can get this guy in this round, this guy in this round, and then all of a sudden, you look and they're two rounds higher than what we thought they were originally since the combine came out. Just goes to show oh, yeah. that. I mean, until the combine comes out, everything changes. Uh, and I oh, just definitely. and I love it. I mean, I mean, yeah. I talked about Jones. I mean, quite honest, if we moved down at all, I would have taken Sidney Jones' corner from Washington over a wide receiver. If we had to move down at all. So. So. We talk, we were talking about free agents here before, and um, I think we talked about, you know, Brandon Williams or Poe coming over. That'd be sick. That would be sick. So, I mean, it's obviously lot. we're going to hear more. We'll hear more tomorrow, but, man. Yeah, Lon Confora yeah. just reported uh, Dante Poe is – 49ers among interested teams, and sounds like he will be headed here for an interview. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. And from what I understand, you know, he's only looking for a one-year deal and see if he can uh, have a successful year, which, hey, I'm okay with that. I'd be fine with that. You know? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's so, just... Uh, I mean, they so have Dina, right what's now... Go- the, oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. They have Reuben Foster now, you know, the best linebacker in the draft. Everybody felt that. He's now a second-round pick, according to certain draft pages. And I just think it's it's funny how the linebackers are dropping. Yeah, in this draft good. class. Because mm. this is a pretty oh. deep linebacker uh, draft. really is. Mm. 
So, Dina, weren't we supposed to have someone call in tonight? I guess yep. they didn't have the guts they to do up. it, huh? They, I know. I just went on Facebook and posted, call in. I thought you guys are calling in. I challenged you guys, and nobody, I'm like, nobody I just told them, in, okay, huh? sit down they don't want the two by. They don't want the two-by-three-inch uh, grave dug for them? <laughs> I guess they scared him. Wow. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, testing Dina's uh, football knowledge. Mm. Call in. Uh, I told yeah. him, go ahead, call in. I'll debate with you. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> huh? I love it. I'm actually going to share her post about that and see if anybody else does call in. <laughs> That's right. I know. I just told, I just told hey, them to sit down now. Sit down. That's right. Five one six four one eight five five three two. Still got twelve Feel minutes free. of the show, guys. Call yeah, in. Call in. Ask us anything. You can ask about any team. We're not scared. Anything. Yeah. No. We've all done homework. We're not scared. Yeah, that We're right. Not scared. Bring it on. Bring it on. I actually <laughs> figured out today. I actually figured out today. Seriously, why? I mean, I've always known why we call Weiner fans, but today was the icing on the cake of why we get called that. Oh, yeah. Some of these fans are pathetic. I mean, it's sad. I can't believe they're calling for John Lynch to be fired already. And like, what are you watching? They were doing what? I saw that. They called for Lynch to be fired because of Hoyer. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, seriously? He's like, that's the worst quarterback there is. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can think of so many more worse quarterbacks than Hoyer. Yeah, and so then I asked him. I I came back and asked him later. And I said, you keep saying that Hoyer is the worst quarterback. Answer one question for me, and I'll back off this. How many quarterbacks has thrived under Shanahan? And I will be done with this. He could not answer. He left. I never saw him again. Oh, is that the same guy I was hammering when I threw out stats about Hoyer? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he never oh, hold on a after that. Hey, uh, we got breaking news here, Dean. I don't know, but Vince Young is back in football. Yes, he I has saw just that last night. signed a contract with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL. Yeah, that's good. Give him some more uh, time. So. <laughs> See what he can do. Do you know? I think you have a call. You have a call on hold. Oh, oh really? You want to fight? Your five five nine number. I don't know. Oh no, that's we got a lot that of phone could calls. be a buddy of mine. Hmm. Five five nine's my area. Here, well, let's do this. You're yeah. alive. Who are we speaking with? This is Gerilyn. Gerilyn, how are you? Carolyn, I'm fine. How are you, Dina? I'm fine, I think, if I can keep my voice. <laughs> I start to say. <laughs> and 559 happens to be to Larry, California. Yeah, right where I live. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm, you guys, I saw a thing on um, um, on this um, sports thing that I get on my phone. Uh, what's up with Aaron Rodgers? Something's wrong with Aaron Rodgers? No, they said yeah, something yeah. about his contract, and they're kind of battling back and forth. Uh, 
Yeah, they said he was. I'm just wondering if you guys heard anything. He's still got. Mm-hmm. He's got another year left, but it's it's trying to rene- renegotiation talks, mm-hmm. and he's not willing to give. From what I've heard, not willing to give the Packers. Uh, what can we say? A home discount that they're mm-hmm. asking for. It's well, pretty much asking, what it's coming down to. Yeah, he's asking for a bigger contract um, now, not later. He wants to get it done now. Yeah. Because oh. I know he's a he's a very big guy in me. Hello. Yes, no, maybe. I'm what? I'm sorry, I didn't catch. I didn't catch that. He's a really he's really a Bay Area guy, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he played he, at Cal. Uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah he he's a Bay Area guy. He was a Chico State guy, wasn't he? No, he played mm-hmm. for Aaron Rodgers. Played for Cal, but he's yeah. from the Chico area. Ah, uh, gotcha. Right. Okay. Right. Right, right. Well, I was just wondering if you guys had heard heard any anything. Um, so, like, um, 49ers have been making a lot of moves, I see, today. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot more will be confirmed tomorrow. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's great. You guys think it's great? I think it's great. We're finally spending some money the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Head in the right direction. Head right, in the right direction. Right, that's what right. I was thinking. Instead of Instead of hanging on some players so we can do something. Exactly. It's it's going to take a couple yeah, years, but they'll, they'll get back there again. They'll get back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to rebuild. So you can't expect mm-hmm. miracles, but, but you never know. Miracles do happen. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, oh, so okay, uh, I'll get off of here, and hopefully some other people will give you guys a call. Yeah, all right. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> you okay, care. all right. Absolutely. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye. Okay, we have another and one. And even right. though he doesn't want to come on. Alan! What? Hi. <laughs> What's going on? on here? What's up? Uh, you got six minutes to complain about 49er fans. Go for it. Uh, 49er fans, yeah. Well, you know, it's no wonder that uh, other teams' uh, uh, fans, you know, call us, uh, a lot of us, whiners. I mean, it's yep. just, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But then again, yeah, a lot of people, you know, they got their own opinion. And, uh, you know, uh, I have an old saying about opinions being like buttholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's it just it, sometimes it's discouraging to, to realize that these clowns actually consider themselves to be Forty Nine or faithful fans. I mean, yeah. when I when, when I saw Dina's post today about somebody talking about firing John Lynch, I'm going, Are you kidding? Come on. <laughs> I mean, what world? What world do these people live in? I mean, it's, they're 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 definitely in some alternate reality. Um, yeah. It's definitely, you know, it, 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 you know, on one hand it's funny, on the other hand it's really sad. I mean, because they uh, are uh, a reflection, you know, of of uh, the empire, or supposedly uh, a reflection. I mean, I'm hoping that people don't take them seriously, but I guess most people will. 
you know, they, they, you know, they they go ahead and do their little comments and posts up on Facebook, like, oh, here I am. Look, look, here's my opinion. Um, a lot of them don't even offer any, uh, you know, reasonable alternative solutions to, you know, well, who do you want then? They just sit yeah. there and hammer them. You know, let's fire this guy. Oh, oh, Hoyer is crap. You know, on and on with that. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I I I, uh, I I tend to uh, hit the block button a lot on people. It's just I just don't want to see their their garbage up there anymore. But in the nah, meantime, I, I think. Oh uh, well, I was just going to say, man, uh, I'm finding uh, John Lynch to you know I, I like his ballsiness. I mean, he's yeah. he's 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 pulling the trigger on on a lot of stuff, and I'm going, man, this guy's this guy's starting some good stuff up here. Uh, it, you know, it gives you it gives you hope for the future. You go, man. I know it's going to be a year or two, but off to a good start. I mean, compared to Trent Balky, I mean, Trent Balky, you know, looked like a, a an amateur. You know, by comparison, I mean, this guy is you know, in one day <laughs> has has I think done a hell of a lot more than Balky probably did in what seven years. I think the yeah. funniest tweet I saw. I think the funniest tweet I saw all day was. You know, John did. <laughs> John put more offensive talent than Belky did his whole career in one day. Yeah, yeah pretty he's much. Right. Pretty much. When you when you look, he's well, probably you right. You look at you look at, at Belky's record. Um, you know, it, it, to me, it's just like it, you know, in one day, I'm like I say, I'm, I'm very impressed. You know, the man, the man's putting it out there, and he's uh, going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna re- rebuild the team, man, he's he's doing he's pu- he's pulling in the right uh, pieces and parts that you know eventually by the time uh, you know we get through uh, training camp and uh, you know, OTAs and everything else, uh, you know, come September down to 53, we're gonna have a hell of a team out there. And my advice to the NFL is don't sleep on the 49ers, not this season. No. No, I mean know. it's gonna be you three. It's gonna be three years before, you know, you can honestly talk. Hey, we're a Super Bowl oh, team. Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, you you can look at this year and say, okay, we can possibly be six and ten to eight and eight. I yeah. mean, I'm looking at yep. it. I don't think we'll be better than eight and eight. And then next year, you can look at us competing for a division and maybe a playoff spot. But in all honesty, it's going to take three years. Look at how the Raiders did it. This is exactly how they went out and did it. And it took them three years. And needless to say, I think they could have been a Super Bowl team before Derek Carr went out. How much that kills me, but it's the truth. Well, it's a fact. Yeah, it's the truth. It's a fact. I mean, you can't deny it. Uh, You know, they they finally got themselves a good quarterback, and it took them exactly three three seasons to at least get that far. Now, if he hadn't, uh, you know, gotten injured – who knows where they would have wound up? But yeah, I agree. I'm in the same boat. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. After after uh, you know hitting rock bottom at two and fourteen, I mean, what 2004 was the last time the team did that? I mean, there's no place to go but up. You know, no, I mean, to me, a seven a seven and nine season, I'd be creaming my jeans. You know, at least you're heading in the right direction. And yeah. you know the parts and pieces. The parts and pieces probably will change over three years, but you're going to be building a core. You know, once you have that core established, then yeah, you, you know you're going to have a Super Bowl ready team. You know, that's what happened uh, with the team uh, by 2010, 2011. Actually, uh, you know, when Harbaugh came in, you know, he inherited a Super Bowl ready team. 
I mean, to go to go to the playoffs, you know, the NFC Championship, uh, you know, three years in a row, that's saying something. That means that team was ready to go. Well, obviously they did. They went in 2012, but look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was supposed to have been our number six. Yeah. You got that right. I mean, you got that right. What do you think of the signings they've made or uh, that are going to be announced tomorrow with the fullback from Baltimore and Hoyer in them? What do mm. you, what's your opinion mm. on any of them? Mine or Brian? Yours. No, yours. My opinion? Well, yeah. I, I think. Well, I think. Well, for right now, man, I'm I'm, I'm going to say that uh, Lynch's picks are all good until further notice. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, obviously a lot of uh, uh, time that's going to have to pass, and uh, you know, uh, also see you know how these people do, and you know, they go to OTAs and, and training camp. You know, are they going to are they going to be able to gel? Are they going to be able to pick up the you know the uh, the playbook? Are they going to be able to uh, you know, establish themselves, you know, within the team as, you know, part of the team. But for right now, I mean, there's some, there's some awesome talent coming in and, you know, some of it, okay. You know, a lot of people are, you know, talking crap about Hoyer. Well, I think Hoyer is a decent quarterback, but, you know, in my opinion, he's not the worst. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, no, I'm just saying, uh, uh, you know, the ones, the the, the personnel that, that they've, uh, you know, uh, they're pulling in today, and then tomorrow, obviously, you know, they're going to be pulling in more people. There's going to be uh, players coming in for an interview, a visit, or whatever. Um, you know, it was like that it was Poe. I'd like to have seen them you know, get Poe. I mean, that guy's a run stopper. Um, oh yeah, it's just. It, to me, it's just it's it, it's all up, man. It's all positive. It's all good stuff right now. Uh, like I say, it's give, it's given me, and I'm sure the rest of the people, uh, you know, faithful in the in the empire, um, a lot of hope. You know, uh, and you know, pulling ourselves off the off the deck after the last three seasons. Um, I mean, this this is nothing. You know, like I say, this is nothing but uh, good stuff to me. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. And you know, and what I'm loving about that. You know, yeah, it may seem that they paid a lot of money for Garcon for one year, but when you have over a hundred million dollars in cap space, you front load your contract so the following years they don't make your cap space hit hard. I mean, what six million dollars next year is all he's going to make? That's yeah. nothing for his level of being a wide receiver, and that's exactly. one thing a lot of fans aren't looking at either. They're, oh, we're paying him sixteen million. Whoa. Look at the numbers well, for the whole contract. Well, either they're they're very short, very short sighted, or they just they're, they're not very knowledgeable, uh, you know, with the game of football. Uh, Garcon Garcon uh, brings a lot of, lot of good stuff with him. You know, his talent, uh, the ability to you know train up the uh, youngsters. Um, you know, to me, it's like okay, the guy's what 30, 31, 32? Yeah. He's not really he's yeah. not really old, but you know he's he's you know the shelf life is getting shorter, but he has a lot to offer. There's a lot of upside to them signing him, and that's why they they you know structure the contract like that. You know he knows that he's probably getting close to retirement, so you know they're making it worth his while. I mean, otherwise, why would he have signed? Why would he you know say yeah okay you know yeah you know you get yeah, signed right. for a couple of years. Sign me for a couple, three years, four years, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. In the meantime, I have, uh, you know, my current 
abilities to offer, you know, plus uh, being able to uh, you know, train up the young guys that they're, they're going to bring in, the young wide receivers, man, smarten them up to how it's done in the NFL. Absolutely. Well, Alan, so to me, we are about to up. we're about to end. Okay, dude. We're about to end our show, but thank you okay. so much for calling in. And uh, you're welcome. I'm, you know, I just wish I wish wish, wish some of the uh, whiners that were uh, challenging Dina today had called in, but no huevos. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, well, take uh, it easy, Dina, brother. Thanks for thanks for a great show, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. All sounds right. good. Bye. Bye. Yeah, take care, man. Okay, that wraps up this week. Uh, now, everyone, we will be back next week. We have uh, Brett Clancy, and he is from Draft Tech, and we'll be talking more about the draft. And we'll see if uh, him and Joe agree or disagree on some of the questions we have for him. So uh, that will oh, yeah. be next week at uh, some of that me and Jeff uh, kind of go to when Draft Tech is very a very great site, and uh, and yeah, he'll be on uh, next week, and um, we'll have him for about a half hour, just like we did with Joe t- tonight. And uh, you know, I it's it's great to be back on the radio. I tell you, Jeff. <laughs> oh yeah, great. Uh, love this time like of year. Yeah. yeah, next next week we'll have a lot more insight of what this team's going to look like and. What what yep. more we can improve it with with drafts from our aspects, and then to be, finally be able to see what the team actually does would yep. is what we look forward to. And at least uh, well Central Time, another half hour we will we will be forty nine days away from the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. until next <laughs> until next Wednesday, this is Brian, Jeff, and Dina signing off. Go Niners! Yes.
Fight, honey, or you're out of the show. Keep fighting.